Oscar Poker. Obviously, it's it's uh, it's the uh, one of the most phenomenal um, uh, hits of all time. It's certainly the biggest uh, <clears throat> opener. Uh, better than Dark Knight. Better than uh, so that's good. And it's always it's always a nice thing to see a nice vigorous response to a film. But I, um, <clears throat> I again just don't quite understand why anybody would be ecstatic about it or happy. <laughs> I think it's a cool thing. Obviously, you know, vigorous industry, vigor, lots of money flowing around, and it's good for everybody, uh, your, yourself and myself included. But <clears throat> I don't understand why uh, it's, it's something to be joyous about. It's not a joyously wonderful film. It's a good film. It's a good uh, film. Yeah. You know? It is a no, good film. Nobody has any complaints about it, and there's no reason to complain about it. So it's good. Yeah. Well, the fact that it's ending is, is really sort of uniting its fans. Yeah. You know, people who weren't even really that into it are suddenly into it now because it's it's over. I mean, that's how it is with everything, right? Uh, suddenly everybody cared about Oprah because Oprah was ending. And, right. you know, as soon as things come to an end, people cling to them. And that's what it seems like is happening with this. Sure. Um, but a couple of things about it um, is that it came up on Twitter whether or not it would be a best picture candidate. Um, being the first of the series to get nominated. I hear a little... I'm just clearing my throat. Yes, you have a hum. You have a hum. I don't know what... You have a hum again. Well, what are we going to do? We have to just deal with it. I mean, I can't oh, make I it go I'll, get, I'll shut down and on the headphones again. I think, um, yeah, what you have to do is just talk through your computer mic because it doesn't seem to hum when you do that. Yeah. I don't know why. I'm now putting it into a different USB port just to make... It doesn't make any difference, right? It's still humming. Um, right now it's not. No, like you said, it comes and goes. I don't know what it is. Are you near any other sort of electronic thing that you could push away? Maybe that's causing some feedback. What I did was actually step back, uh, push myself back away from the uh, <clears throat> the, uh, the MacBook Pro, and that's when it started humming. Oh, it started humming when you stepped away. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I wonder what that's it's not, about. It's not humming as we speak right now. But is your computer next to any kind of electronic anything, speaker... No, it actually VCR anything really isn't. Uh, there, the things that are on would be my. Um... Oh, by the way, guess what? You know, I've got this. Remote. Maybe your iPhone. The phone, fine. I will take that and throw it and push it. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. I yeah, doubt just, it, but I've just thrown it onto the onto the couch, so that's okay. gone. Um. <clears throat> well, uh, let's see if this continues, and uh, should you know, it's funny. I've got a. Uh, uh, how many months old is this television, this Vizio television? Oh, and when did you buy it? Gosh, wasn't it around Christmas time? No, I actually, I came back here in very late February, just in time for the Oscars. Oh, okay. And um, I bought it about a week or two later. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> it's um, uh, the, the, it's crapped out already. And I've got a... a oh, no. I mean, not, the, not the TV, the, the remote is crapping out. No. Oh. And I put new batteries in, and that doesn't make any difference. So. Oh, that's terrible. Well, at least it's just the remote. Will they replace it for you? I actually have a backup, but that doesn't work either. I bought a, I bought one just in case it did. So I have to call these people. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, okay, the, so... Uh, here's the thing. Uh, there's an interesting thing going on about um, Moneyball, which is <clears throat> easily one of my top... Uh, 
films for Toronto, which I mm-hmm. keep urging you, you really should make the effort to go to because yeah. it's really like the launch of Oscar season and it will not kill I know. you. Especially if you find a, a place uh, that we could, uh, you know, we could share expenses on. It would be, I got to find something <laughs> cheap. I don't ever work on, uh, do hotel fees. So well, I tell you what. I know. Since Emma's going into, she's going to be in eighth grade this year, and then next year she'll be in high school. I think that's time. Next year is probably when I'll when I'll hit Toronto for the first time because she won't really need me here to start her at school. It's the problem with this timing. It's always right at the first days of school, you know. And um, I don't have anybody to to take over that job for me, and I don't want to send her to school without, you know. Mom. When does Los Angeles begin its school year? Is that around the 10th of September? Yeah, it's right exactly at the same time as the festival. Right. So, um, so um, uh, anyway, I, I've heard uh, through Jonah Hill, uh, who tweeted that he had just completed doing, of all things, or whatever this means, a south-of-the-border Mexican junket for um, um, money ball mm-hmm. and uh so i uh, yeah and didn't you see that there were pictures of brad pitt that turned up where he was doing junket also for money ball okay yeah and so i asked uh a significant uh, uh member of that team i won't say who just for um, uh, confidentiality sake uh-huh. and he said well <clears throat> it should be happening soon actually because um although i can't tell you exactly but i know it'll be happening because i know that so far festival People who want to show it at this that festival have seen it. They've shown it to long lead journalists. He says. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, like who? Pete Hammond, Todd McCarthy. If, if Pete has seen it, he has not confined it. And uh, actually, Todd McCarthy would not fall under the heading. Not anymore, I guess. He used to be a <laughs> long lead guy. No, he used to complain to me. Oh, he did. I mean, we used to commiserate. I mean, he's you know have to. So long lead would be like film comment or something, like magazines. Yes, that's how they regard the, the, okay. the people on the staff of a magazine, like if you're mm-hmm. Vogue magazine. You know, it's usually an East Coast thing, uh, although obviously there are some magazines, Entertainment Weekly, and you know, if they're, if they're cooking up cover stories, that sort of thing. Right. So I'm looking forward. I'm, I'm very uh, keen on seeing that sometime uh, before the Toronto. Mm-hmm. I am also, tell me, you're not uh, keen on seeing the George Harrison thing. That's going to be kind of oh, yeah. cool. I can't wait to see it. Absolutely, I'm I'm, I'm excited. But we we need to talk about um, the trailer for the Martin Scorsese's um, Hugo. Um, but I just wanted to finish really quickly on Harry Potter. Yeah. Just for the people who are listening for the Oscar stuff, I just want to say that. Um, so, it came up on Twitter. You know, can Harry Potter be a, a viable Best Picture um, contender? And the thing is, is I like to talk about everything in the Oscar race. I don't just try to narrow it down to being right because to me that's kind of boring right and there's what maybe 20 people who could sit down and say okay these 10 movies are going to be nominated you know Uh and so what that doesn't really um extend the conversation i don't think i think it's much more interesting to imagine a what if scenario if it Uh could get nominated not just that movie but any kind of movie where people say no way will it get nominated like that's one of the most um the only thing that really keeps me interested in the race after all this time is is sort of the impossible happening but anyway so there were mostly people saying no way will it get nominated harry potter there's just no way because of the new five percent rule where they have to the movie has to you know gather enough number one votes to be in and it will primarily be the recipient of what you could call political uh uh, congratulations votes uh pat on the back uh excellent run and you really hit it out of the park. The last one, it's, it's probably perhaps even the best of the Harry Potters. And it's something to celebrate. So let's give it a nice, you know, hail fellow on that pat on the back and put it at number four. That's what's going to happen. Nobody's going to say <laughs> that, you know. Well, but then it's a, a political gesture. It's like, you know, we think you did great. We feel good when, when, one, when one company makes a lot of money. And, it's, you know, it's, it's a good vibe thing. So, you know. I still don't understand why they're even bothering having people write down more than one nominee if they're only going to pick people's number one. I guess the math is such that it can be figured out that once they discard this, the other movies are counted or something. I can never understand how it works. But You know, that's a good point, and here I am, uh, Mr. Dummy, saying the same thing. I, I What I understand is that all that counts is the number one votes. So why even have them put in five? But I, I don't know how to explain it. Either. The only thing I can think of is let's 
Yeah. I mean, let's say you have, you know, let's say you put, you know, um, Harry Potter at number one and you put, um, you put. Are we humming again? Yeah, a little bit, but that's okay. We put, you know, Moneyball at number two, right? So um, Harry Potter gets like five, num you know, maybe 2% number one votes. Well, that's not enough to get in, so they have to discard that. Then those discarded votes, they'll go to the number two choice, is my guess. And then they'll add it to the piles of number ones. Uh, uh -huh. Like the money ball will go in the money ball pile, and that'll increase its chances of getting nominated. I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's, to me, it's always confusing. The whole thing is nightmarish and confusing. Uh, uh. But anyway, the only reason I bring this up is to say that that um, everybody basically said no. Chris Tapley, no. Ann Thompson, no. You know, uh -huh. nobody was even entertaining the notion that Harry Potter could get nominated just because it's so insular in the plot, yeah. and you know. It's not, not in this, uh, not in the way it's doing now. If they had the ten thing, I could see it. I could see it. If they had the ten thing, yeah. But the way it's going now, I mean, it could make a shitload of money, and that's one way. But even still, who's going to put it at number one? They're not going to go. Oh, it made a lot of money. It's my number one film of the year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe there's going to be a few people who work for the studio who were in the movie. They're going to put it at number one. That might be enough. Mm -hmm. And then some people who just want to reward it just for the hell of it. I don't know. But anyway, the bottom line is that most people said no, but then Dave Carger tweeted today that he heard that it screened for the Academy and they all loved it, which is really hard to imagine. <laughs> oh, but that's what he said. So he said the Academy members loved it. And then he wrote, do you think it could be the series' first um, best picture nomination, which shows you that Dave Carger does not read the Oscar people tweets, you know, the Oscar... Oscarate or whatever. <laughs> He's uh, not reading them because it was already sort of brought up and then dismissed. But, mm -hmm. but you know, Dave Carger's sort of in a whole different realm, really. I mean, he's 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 somebody who is never really personally invested in the race. He just has an open mind. He's kind of more like Pete Hammond. He doesn't really, you know, he doesn't take it personally. So he'll never, never. Uh, say what he really thinks himself. He sees himself in the role of a person who is not in the in, in the uh, advocate. He's not an advocate. He doesn't believe in not that. at all. No, he's not. He's definitely not. He 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 has his favorites. Like he loved the Social Network. He said, preferred it to the King's Speech even. And and yet he his votes for saying that the King's Speech was a likely winner. He was the only one, and he was right. He, and he, Yeah, he was right, but he was also blowing the sales along as he was saying it was likely. It's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's a two-sided thing. Yeah, it's not, he was it's making it, yeah, that's the one thing that's hard for people to understand about the Oscar race is it isn't in a vacuum. They yeah. do hear, they do read. So by Dave Carger continuing to say that, it gives the film more credence it, it makes it more respectable of a choice for Academy members, you know. That's uh -huh. um, not an impossibility like it was seeming, you know. Yeah. But um, anyway, so I thought that was interesting that he wrote that. And I don't know, does that make him a power player? Will it change anything for Harry Potter? I don't know. I guess we're just going to have to watch and see how the other movies do. You know, if it's, if it's looking like it's a very small selection, there might be people who vote for it just to say, I'm going to honor this movie for all the success that it's brought the the film industry for the last 12 years. They're going to put it ahead in terms of their number one list. They're going to put it ahead of War Horse or Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. Hmm. Uh, uh, you know, um, uh, Ides of March has a, you know... Uh, no, I mean, those movies, yeah. well, I don't know about... I. You know, the movies that are going to be in there, they're all going to have the, like, you know, top five vote-getters. Uh -huh. But... If they're willing to extend it beyond five, you know, then they... But they are theoretically, because if you get a 5% or better, then you're, then you're definitely a contender and you're in the best picture yeah, tally, it's, it's depending really upon weird. how many others get other votes. But you, it certainly could be more than five. It could right. be seven, eight, depending. Right. Well, because last year it was like they, they... I bet they felt that they had to just... Because everybody kept saying last year was a really bad year to have 10, because yeah. it was just too easy to fill up the, the bucket, you know? But this year, um, you know, if there are less, I mean, if there are as many really great choices, then they will have 10 mm -hmm. if it's all split up and there are a lot of great movies to choose from. But if it's only a few of them, like it was last year, right. then Harry Potter's out. It, either way, it's going to clean up on the tech awards. It's going to be like Inception. It'll win all the techs. 
Um, um, I think, you know, my major league thing, I really do think that those are likely. I really do, uh, concluding, uh, uh, and I've got 13 of them listed. And the ones that I do not feel will make it, would, I, I suspect, and I probably shouldn't say this for political reasons, but I don't think in the end of the day that dragging a tattoo is, is likely to be considered a best picture material because it's going to be uh, very high level, high grade. I, you know it and I know it, that it's going to be really good genre material, but it's not going to mm -hmm. be uh, something that resonates and really <laughs> talks to our time and to our own uh, situation right. on the planet in the year 2011. It's 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 a you know it's a Swedish policier with a with a cool um, um, heroine and a and a you know and a nice dynamic. Well, figure. I think he gets in. I think it gets in. I don't. I would never put it in the number one spot the way a lot of people do. But the reason I think it'd get in for two reasons. The one, it's going to be the only really hip choice of the group. The only edgy, interesting choice. And there are still people in the academy that believe in honoring the good movie instead of. Uh -huh. the, the weepy, sad period sure. piece. But when yeah. I think they'll go Wait for a minute, it. Do you think that Moneyball would not be regarded as it? Because from what everything yeah. we're hearing is that it's kind of a social networky thing about yeah. baseball. You know? It's still not edgy, though. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's definitely cool kids. It's definitely, you know, right in there, right in their wheelhouse and everything. But Dragon Tattoo will be the edgy choice. It'll be the black swan. It'll be the one that they feel they're taking a bigger chance on. And that's why I think it gets in to show that they're not totally out of touch. The other thing is I think that um, it'll be a good movie. Cause it's David Fincher. It's going to be great. So sure. that alone will get it in. And the third reason I'll add a third is that David Fincher is sort of now in the, you know, the Academy really had, they have egg on, egg on their face about last year's best picture. It will not, it doesn't even look good all these months later. It's only going to look worse as the years progress. It's going to probably end up being like one of the worst um, best picture injustice. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be one of those it's things. Shocking. Like, Gee, well, I don't know if that was quite deserved, but we did it, so let's just live with it and yeah. move on. People know? will understand, and they'll say, oh, yeah, The King's Speech is such a good movie, but as you look back on Oscar history, you go, are you kidding me? That was what they said in 2010 was the best film of the year? Yeah. Anyway, we've been over that, but basically yeah. what yeah. it means for David Fincher is that he's now in the kind of the Martin Scorsese category of we uh -huh. fucked up, you know, we sort of owe him something, and we're going to keep putting it to, you know, keep, he's going to keep coming up to bat until he gets one in. Mm -hmm. Right. Unless he makes something absolutely horrendous. You know, this is all, of course, resting on whether the movie is good or not. If it's good, all of those things apply. If it's bad, obviously, they're not just going to nominate him because he's David Fincher. It's funny. I uh, <clears throat> was reading uh, an old Bosley Crowther review mm. of Paths of Glory, 1957. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Interesting that he had a major complaint about the fact that Kirk Douglas and Ralph Meeker and Adolf Manjou and uh, the others who are uh, a co-star in that uh, great film all speak in uh, you know, English accents, American accents, mostly American accents, actually. And the guy couldn't believe it. He, he just said it was uh, too jarring because it, it fought against the realism of the moment. Well, you don't hear one person who respects and esteems Paz Glory complaining about nobody speaking with what French accents or you know whatever it is that uh, Bosley Crowther was looking to see. Here's the thing that I. This, here's how it relates to, to a girl with a good dragon tattoo. I feel <clears throat> that it's odd, fundamentally odd, that a film that is for some strange reason set in Sweden uh, because the original was set in Sweden uh, and because they have to allow for a uh, demonic Nazi element in the uh, you know, revelation of the, of the plot um, so it's just strange, it strikes me as queer that everybody's speaking English in this film, yeah, it's a set I agree. In, in Sweden um, I don't I know why they don't set the it last. here you know, why it wasn't set here I don't understand why they had to set it in Sweden <laughs> And why do you have to have... Isn't Nazis kind of an old hat thing at this point? I mean, I, I believe it's going to be set... Tell me if I'm wrong, but aren't they going to set it in period? Set it in the 90s? I don't know. I, I mean, that's something I don't know because I unfortunately have only gotten, like, through the first 20 pages of the book. <laughs> I've uh, got to finish it. I've got to finish it, but I don't know... I don't actually know enough about it to say. But I think he probably does set it in the 90s knowing him. Mm-hmm. That would actually be the most fun part of it for him. That would probably. be cool. Yes, that would yeah. be cool to have uh, slightly older computers and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. I do too. I think, in fact, I think uh, now that I'm thinking about it, I think he did say something about uh, he wouldn't have been comfortable 
in a film with a film uh, a story that was set now because of the constant um, you know um, texting and tweeting and and e emailing it's the things are a lot faster than they were in 1996 97 which i think is sort of when the first one is set something like that so. yeah yeah right so that, is that funny to think about the mid 90s as 15 years ago god it's just it's it's so know. funny if you ever really want to like have a laugh watch um sandra bullock in the net because it's so funny. It's just when the internet was starting to mm -hmm. take off, and, and and back then it was already mainstream enough that they could make a movie called The Net. Yeah. But you know, she's got like her floppy disk uh, <laughs> and her twenty-eight baud modem. You know, yeah. <laughs> she's hooking it up and dialing in. <laughs> it's so and, funny. and you hear that sound? Oh, yeah. They must, of course, use that. You hear that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's great. I mean, it, to me, it's just absolutely wonderful history to, to watch that. And mm -hmm. and that's why I think it would be fun to, to go back and look. You know, I mean, you see movies now and they don't even have, it wasn't, there weren't, like I watched King of Comedy the other day, there weren't even cell phones. So there's Rupert Pupkin sitting on the phone booth mm -hmm. waiting for his call back and he has to hold the phone booth in New York City, yeah. stand yeah. there with it, you know. Mm -hmm. So great. Mm. And so, I mean, certain movies couldn't even have been made when you know because they would be so easily solved by just having a cell phone or going on google or something like that you know? now um, by the way i'm going to um i'm deciding uh differently than i had thought i'm thinking about maybe if i can get tickets to the uh a ticket to the cowboys and aliens screening at comic-con next mm -hmm. weekend i believe mm -hmm. it's either friday or saturday mm -hmm. uh there's also a spielberg uh tin tin tribute and i was told mm -hmm. i might be able to get a ticket for that so i'm thinking uh even though it goes against the grain of my philosophy and my emotionality i'm gonna maybe go down there if i can get it because i figured yeah. um uh, cowboys and aliens is going to show at uh, all media here <clears throat> the weekend after but i can like be three days ahead you know if i do that so yeah well, that's great I, I might be going down there too not i'm not credentialed but i might nor, be able to, nor am i yeah yeah i might be able to get in on, on a pass so if you do get a ticket let me know i'll try to weasel my way in too if i can what do you mean you might be able to get in on a pass if you just no well, my, my sister's working it and she can get she might be able to get me a pass Oh, fine. Great. Yeah. So I might be able to be in there, but I won't be. Um, I have to apologize for the noise. It's like some kind of party going on downstairs, and the sound is just flooding in here. What floor are you on in your apartment? I'm on the, I'm on the second floor. I've actually got, we've got like a standalone apartment, which mm -hmm. is, you know, on top of the garages. Oh, nice. So it's sort of okay. like having a house, but... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But anyway, the the courtyard is right outside, and it's so loud when they're out there. You can hear everything they say, so I hope they're okay. not hearing any. I don't know if you happen to see this thing that I linked to and uh, riffed on a little bit. It's a, um, a, um, a, what, what's called a, uh, a box office prediction lab that's based on Twitter, which, of course, is what our friend uh, Phil uses yeah. a lot to do his predictions. Oh, it is? Okay. And what it did, uh, rather interestingly, this is the best first time I've ever seen this, is that it created circles green circles with little red slices in them uh, indicating positive and negative sentiment. God, it sounds like a pregnancy test. Um, I don't know how to relate to that, would you say? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but it does have certain, and what it looks like is several planets out in the solar system. And the really, really big planet, or I should say the sun-sized planet uh, or body, is Harry Potter. Uh, Transformers is the second biggest planet. And mm -hmm. then comes Horrible Bosses, number three. And then Captain America, which have, nobody's really seen yet, it comes fourth. Mm -hmm. And then you start getting into the somewhat smaller planets, like Venus and Mars and, and, and Mercury oh. and everything. The smallest, teeniest, tiniest planet. And we're talking about Mercury, which is, of course, the... the yeah. one it's it's cowboys and aliens it's smaller than larry crown it's smaller than cars 2 it's smaller than wait are you talking about projections for the summer yeah, of 2011 solely based upon okay. uh, twitter action and uh, and uh, yes obviously harry potter's already open so why is it on a twitter chart but they, it was dated on I, the I think that's stupid i'm sorry to say but to me that's stupid i mean the kids who are going to go see these movies you know they're not on twitter so how can you measure it when the whole of summer box office is aimed at tweens 
boy tweens who aren't on Twitter. So I don't understand how they... Because you have to be a little older and have your own uh, smartphone to be on Twitter. Sure, and you have to want to follow it. It's like these guys are on Facebook. They're doing Facebook chat. If they did it through Facebook, I'd trust it a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, we'll see if it turns out to be right, but my guess is that, no, that that's not the target demographic. They're not on Twitter. The guys who are writing about the movies, the critics and stuff, yeah, they're on Twitter. It might be able to show how their interest, but, you know, who cares what the adults think? <laughs> I mean, it's about the kids, right? So. Wouldn't you imagine that there's some legitimate uh, uh, footing in this? Because uh, Phil keeps talking about how he thinks Twitter is a very good indicator, and... Uh, we can't just throw it out the window and say it's not no. good. No, I agree. But I think when you're making, when you're talking about making pro projections that include films that the majority of their audience isn't on Twitter, I don't see how you can include that uh, totally. Do you, do you believe, uh, suspect that Cowboys and Aliens is primarily going to be a, a tweener thing? <laughs> don't you? I don't know. I mean, uh, Daniel Craig and Harrison, Harrison Ford is supposed to appeal to somewhat older people, obviously. Uh, people that remember him as Indiana Jones. Do tweeners even have a uh, understanding or, or do they care about uh, what do you sense? Uh, you, you certainly don't detect any enthusiasm for Cowboys and Aliens from Emma, do you? No, not at all. But she's not the target, you know. Yeah. But her friends sure are into Harry Potter. Yeah. Tell you that. Uh-huh. I mean, they're really, really into it, like seeing it multiple times, dressing up as a character, you know. Hey, if you go down there, are you going to try to see it down there as well, Cowboys and Aliens, as well as other things? Are you going to go down just for a day and drive back? How do you going to um, do Well, it? my sister, yeah, she's working it, so um, we'll probably go and spend, I'll probably bring Emma down there and, you know. Stay overnight somewhere. Probably, yeah. Her cousins are going to be there, so they're going to hang out and... Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. I mean, I love going to San Diego anyway. You know, mm -hmm. it's fun down there. I have found, uh, last year I went to, uh, <clears throat> I specialize in finding uh, places because there's something about me that just can't abhor the idea of, um, uh, I can't tolerate the idea of staying in a hotel. So I'm always looking for uh, places that are <clears throat> just about two years or three years away from being torn down because no oh, wow. one will stay there anymore. Uh, so I found this place north of the city, just a little bit north, only about a 10, 12-minute drive down to the convention center. Uh, one of those places that, <clears throat> you know, there's been so many bad people that with alcohol problems staying there and smoking and staining the bed <laughs> and everything. One of those places. Well, but I, I don't mind it because it's relatively clean, or at least it feels clean, and uh, I don't have to pay that much money. So if I go there, I'm going to stay at that scuzzy place. <coughs> well. I went to, I took, I took Emma for her uh, 12th birthday. I took her down, her and a bunch of friends, to the, uh, um, the Marriott Marquis down there in Seaport Village. But that's where, I mean, the, the hotel situation is impossible. Mm. How can you just stay at one of those nice places? Well, that was nice. The, the thing was nice. It had, like, a big pool. I mean, it's kind of a single scene, but, you know, they let, they let you bring in pets. And we had two rooms. And, you know, it was a lot of fun. Seaport Village is very touristy. And silly. Do you anticipate so. that you're going to be able to stay there for a night? If no, you I won't do it. It was like 250 or something for a night. That's yeah. ridiculous. So I'll just be looking at a regular old boring old hotel. I've never been to Comic Con though. Is it near? Where is it? Is it near La Jolla at all? No, that's uh, La Jolla is north of San, San Diego, and, and Comic Con is right smack dab in the center of San Diego at the okay. uh, San Diego Convention Center. Oh, right, and and everything's always sold out right around there, right? So you have to go outside it's the sold, city. Sold out uh, many weeks in advance. So what you have to do is just kind of uh, what happens is that people cancel; they don't stay as long as they anticipate that, and, and you can, but you have to kind of uh, sniff around. And what I, as I just said, I, I go to Balboa Avenue, north of the city, just a little bit. And uh, a lot of times the places that you do not see uh, online, but they are in business and they are sort of under the radar, there's, there's places. So that's how I've made it once. One time I went and stayed at a Craigslist uh, place at some guy's house. Uh, that was about three years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, and then I, last year on the fly, I just found this place north of the city on a, a road called Balboa Avenue. It's not in San Diego proper, mm. but it's not that far. And uh, I found uh, this um, ramshackle place that will eventually be torn down. But it was kind of cool because it had character to it. Mm. 
Well, that's the thing is, I mean, if you if you're a Californian, you don't mind staying someplace that's kind of far and driving in. You know, it's not like you have to be right there because you're used to driving, you know. Right. So um, Mm. speaking of which, are you going to is it too early to start reserving for can? Like like if you wanted to go, let's say you want to do, you know, vacation rental by owner. I mean, you well, get I'm going to some... stick with those people we were at before. That's what I want to do. And uh, and uh, but uh, Ann Horner, they said she would also like to look for a, a, th- a three uh, three way thing with you and me and her if you want to do that. But that's okay. uh, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but that place you had was so nice. If you can get that again, you should do it. Yeah. You know, I was thinking of looking on vacation rental by owner and getting something really good and really early. You know, before the madness. Yeah. Well, people don't even begin to think about it, Sasha, until January, and that's like five, six months off. So. Yeah, I know, but the last time all this stuff was sold out by that time, you know, all the good stuff is gone. Yeah. So I'm going to look into it and see what's what's happening. Okay. I know it seems crazy because they won't give you your money back if you can't make it, but... So anyway... Um... Beating, a bad beating hmm? from those people. <laughs> Me. It was terrible. I felt for you. It really God, it was a trip from hell. I ended up spending more than five grand, you know, way more. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, I, I, she gave me back 50% of a thousand euro. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's all I got back. And then I had to pay for that crappy hotel outside in Juan Le Pens. And then <laughs> <laughs> we had to, I had to rent a car, which cost another thousand dollars. So it was a nightmare. And I want to be prepared this time and get something early, you know, and be squared away so I don't have to. It was my fault. I should have looked on the map. I didn't know that, that you know, there were more than one Le Souquet areas. I thought that that yeah. just was in Cannes and that was it. But no, you yeah. say it's it's old mm-hmm. town everywhere. Yep. It's yeah. a generic term. Oh, well. <clears throat> so okay. what did we talk? We, we talked about a film. Oh, yes, we did. We didn't talk. We talked about Cowboys and Indians. You didn't say anything to me about it. All it, I said to you was that I think it's a kid's movie. And it yeah. says, you know, it's about like, you know, spaceships and cowboys. I mean, it couldn't be more aimed at. I mean, if there are adult men that are interested in seeing that, you know, I, I don't want to say anything to insult people. But <laughs> it just seems like it's a little bit of arrested development if you're really excited about seeing that movie, which is so clearly aimed at kids, you know. You or maybe it's see, maybe it's aimed at people who don't want to grow up, you know. Did you happen to see the clip of uh, John uh, that John Favreau's uh, film? They have a clip of Daniel Craig and Olivia Wilde, and they're running on horses, and then one of these dragonfly alien ships comes by and kind of scoops her up. No, I didn't see it, but that sounds it sounds good. You know, it'll be fun. I'm sure it'll well, be no, good. Oh, it doesn't. That's the thing. It looks really, really looks like CGI. Now, maybe this is a trailer based on uh, CG that has not been fully completed, and therefore, but I'll tell you, I was not impressed by yeah. that clip. <clears throat> it doesn't look, you know, I want to I want to believe this stuff. I know it's CG, but I don't, I don't want the the images. I don't want the uh, what I'm seeing on the screen to tell me, to remind me, to tap me in the shoulders, saying, in effect, this is CG. You know, right. I want to try and really kind of just be in the, you know, the, uh, the the state of mind where I believe it's actually happening. That's what yeah. the whole suspension of disbelief. Is. You want to believe that? So right, right. I know. <clears throat> it didn't I mean... feel right to me. It, it felt kind of cheesy. And I you got Daniel Craig uh, uh, standing up on a horse as it's front. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and leaping off as if he's leaping off a diving board oh, and, and, and leaping like 15, 20 feet. It's just, you know, <clears throat> I, I will go with anything. I will not stand in the way. I am a fantasist, uh, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> I can't believe buy this stuff. And, well, look, uh, it's, you know, I mean, it's so, to me, it's just a little formula in a can. I mean, it's, you know, Daniel Craig, Harrison Ford, you know, it couldn't be, it's right in the the 13-year-old's the dream movie to see. This is what all the parents are going to take their kids to see. And younger. I don't think kids older, like boys older than 13 are necessarily going to be that into it unless the special effects are really good, like you say, and they're not. Um, You're saying that, uh, that, People sitting there saying, I don't believe this. What they mean is, come on, give me something that at least semi-simulates what could be physically possible. <laughs> I think that people have very low standards when it comes to going to the movies. Parents just give their kids money. They dump them off at the movies. Go see whatever. 
You know, they'll see whatever's out there. They don't really care that much. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, it seems to me that uh, a thinking uh, audience, and I'm talking about 10-year-olds, 8-year-olds, those guys are very tough. I remember my kids, they, would, they did not, I can remember a review that my kids uh, helped me write based on their reactions to, um, to AI. Oh. And they were not buying that for a second. They thought it was, you know, thumbs down and everything. And they were, uh, well, what year was AI, by the way? God. 2000? 99? Um, like that. Let's see. Oh, I have an echo. Yikes, what's happening? Okay. What? I, I was hearing my voice, but now it oh. stopped. Um, AI was 2001. Yeah. It's really well, hard it to like, believe. Uh, 13 and 12 or something. And they were completely, um, you know, I used to love the, uh, the, uh, the, you know, the, the doing those things with those guys. So. But that movie was definitely for adults. It was yeah. like a, a kid movie for adults. It was never a movie that mm -hmm. kids were going to go for. And that's what I wonder about Martin Scorsese's Hugo. I wonder if that's going to be another kid movie for adults, you know, and that and or or is it just going to be straight like they're trying to sell it from the trailer? This is a kid's movie, you know. Didn't that seem to you like a... Uh, Robert Zemeckis film. I mean, it seemed like like a Spielberg film on some level. It was the most surreal thing I've ever seen. I didn't, I couldn't believe it. Like, I don't think the footage was bad, but the music and the title and art, you know, it was like, right. it reminded me of that YouTube. I, I tweeted this, but it reminded me of that, you know, YouTube Shining, <laughs> where they take The Shining and they make it into a cutesy kids movie and they play Peter Gabriel's, you know, um, Salisbury Hill on there. Have you ever seen that video? You know what I'm talking about, right? Um, <clears throat> Peter Gabriel's Salisbury Hill well, from... Are we talking about a long time ago? No, it's a funny funny trailer called Shining, which is a parody of um, those dumb trailers. And they take... They go, meet Jack Torrance. <laughs> you've, <laughs> you've seen it, right? I'm yeah, sending yeah. you the... You've seen it, right? Yeah. You know what I'm talking uh, about. Meet Jack Torrance. Yeah. I'm outlining a new writing project. Oh, yeah, of course. That's a classic. That's a first and most of ideas. Yeah, and they, they play the music, and this is what Hugo reminded me of, unfortunately, because it was, <laughs> it was like so forced joy, joyful, you know? I don't think in any by any stretch that Scorsese's movie is going to be the way the trailer's selling it, but they're obviously doing that to draw in the family audiences now, you know, because they're worried it's not going to make any money, I guess. Now. I don't think I can hear you too well if you're going to play Sometimes. the trailer. <laughs> okay. Let me just play this musical transition because it's the best part. Can you hear it in your mic? I mean, your headphones? Well, no, you're, you're playing the trailer for Shining. Yeah, I hear that. It's so funny. I think yeah, it might be the, the most brilliant thing anybody ever put up on YouTube. Yeah, definitely. Um, but anyway, so back to what I was saying was just, yeah. just that, yeah, it... it uh, that's what Hugo reminded me of because it seemed like, you know, they were trying to force feed kind of this happy theme on this yeah. story, which, you know, at best it's going to be Dickensian. It's going to be a, yep. in a kid world of a time when, right. you know, children were able to handle uh, more hardcore literature and stories, you know, than they are now. They're, they're just being spoon fed shit, you know, from the time they're little. So hopefully Scorsese will give them something to chew on with this, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know what they were thinking when they made the trailer and they put that music on there. I hope that they change it and re-release it. I took um, I took the the movie or the trailer and I I put um, two Rolling Stones songs over it, dubbed oh. out the sound and put the Rolling Stones just to see what it would look like with different oh. music. And I mean, it doesn't fit perfectly because you need to have the sound, the dialogue and stuff. But it looks so much better. It automatically looks better just because that's sort of more Scorsese style than that. Mm -hmm. cheesy music that they put on there but um you know i'm still looking forward to it you know the guy could he could make a commercial for you know viagra and i'd be interested in seeing it you know he's just you happened to notice that i had this comment when i first saw it that the titles on the uh, trailer pop out they say they, they, the trailer is apparently intended to be shown with 3d movies in a oh, theater okay. and they are intending to pop out in the same way that titles for those Mid '50s 3D movies like House of Wax, in particular, popped out. You know, you're supposed to like going, "Oh, those titles! Look at that! They're coming right at me!" You know, they're they're jumping right at right, me. Right, right. Uh, and I was uh, reading somewhere. I don't know if it's real or not, but you know, Scorsese definitely wanted that 1950s 3D feeling, and he wanted to really make it, uh, uh, you know, pop 
pop through in a way that would that people would re- remark upon. Uh, however, you know, really the, the, the story of Martin Scorsese since The Departed is that his, um, his uh, feature movies are uh, never uh, bad. They're always uh, very uh, uh, good, good work. He's, he's uh, a consummate filmmaker. He really works his, 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 his not a butt off to, uh, you know, make it, make it look good and, and then just work uh, as a piece. But I really think that his, uh, his real Martin Scorsese movies are his documentaries. That's mm. where you see, the, you feel the man. Like that, that wonderful uh, little thing about, um, about Elia Kazan, Letter to Elia. Yeah. Uh, you'd see it? Or? I, yeah, I saw it. And I loved his, um, I loved his, his, uh, his what are they called his history of film those yeah. those documentaries are just incredible yeah. you know when you yeah. hear him lecturing the way he must have you know at NYU and sure. he talks he's just such a wealth of knowledge and he's so captivating to listen to his voice when he's the narrator I agree with you he's he is at heart that kind of a storyteller you know he's a now, did you can you tell me something you you saw the uh, um uh the the um uh, it's a letter to Elia. Do you happen to see the Fran Lebowitz thing that I, I, I didn't did, see? Yeah. You did? Yeah, I saw that. That was great. Did you get a screener of it, or how did you happen to see I it? I think I saw it on HBO. It was on. Oh, fine. Okay. Yeah. The same HBO. editor who worked with him on public speaking, the Fran Lebowitz uh, doc, the one, yeah. is the same guy who worked with him on the Bob Dylan uh, epic, which is really one of the great movies of uh, Scorsese's career. Uh, no, no Direction, direction. yeah. And who also is the editor on uh, <clears throat> George Harrison colon Living in the Material World? So that, oh, I'm looking great. very much forward to that, and that's going to be uh, almost certainly playing at Toronto, and it will be on HBO sometime in, I believe, early October. But didn't you love Friendly Woods? I mean, the thing is, is like that's the kind of thing we lose in this era that we have right now, where everything is typed out and everything is chattery and everything is online that's being read, and personalities have to be filtered through the electronic medium to be gotten and understood. And some people thrive in it, and some people don't. But somebody like Fran Lebowitz, you know, she's just a moving, living thing that, like, you have to hear her and you have to see her to appreciate her. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you could read something she wrote and you could go, yeah, that's really good. All but right. nothing like seeing that documentary, you know. Um, <clears throat> you, is, it, is, it, is it considerate to be referring to Fran Lebowitz as a past tense or did you mean, didn't you love the documentary? Because I didn't see the documentary. She's still in business, it. right? She's still writing. She's going to... But I thought you read, you wrote something about it on your blog, though, didn't you? I never wrote in the blog that I'd seen it. I just said it was... Uh, oh, you should see it, Jeff. You'd love oh, it. Absolutely. No, in fact, I think it's rentable. Um, or talk about rentable. We should, you know, I'll tell you, there's a uh, store that I have been to. Back in the heydays of renters uh, renting a, a retail, there was uh, Dave's video on Ventura Boulevard. Mm. Mm-hmm. And there was, of course, Laser Blazer, uh, yeah. which used to be, it's always been over on Pico. Laser Blazer has been reduced to a, about a third of the size that it used to be. And they and this um, this guy uh, that I know uh, who works over there has been telling me, Ivan, um, that they had to return a lot of their inventory because it's just not moving. And they have to, uh, <clears throat> there's, they're, they're losing ground. They're losing ground. And just, mm. it's uh, it's a lament that I, I've I've uh, spoken before but it's going to be really a sad thing the only place i can go now to really kind of i love browsing at big video stores so really it's only amoeba it's the only thing that's left is there an amoeba in the valley by any chance or is there only the no. one in the well Hollywood? isn't vidiot still there in santa monica uh quite possibly yeah that's a good place also obviously Vidiots. yeah yeah i mean i you know in the 80s i worked at a video store for a long time the one it was called main street video and it was on main street in santa monica this is before Blockbuster. I think it got turned into a Blockbuster. But the guy who owned it, his name was Rusty, and he was gay, and he had AIDS, and he ended up dying of AIDS. But is that so 80s or what? Uh, <laughs> but before yeah. that, he opened yeah. up another store, which was when Abbott Kinney was first starting, and he put it uh. down on Abbott Kinney before you know, they had built it up. I mean, like right after they changed the name to Abbott Kinney or something like that. Yeah. And he opened this second video store, and you know, it was supposed to be... Um, this big launching and it was going to change everything and people were going to go and you know just I just remember working there it was like working in a library I mean that's how sort of weird and distant it seems now looking back but mm-hmm. Main Street Video is long gone and in fact Main Street Santa Monica has been totally built up and changed and Abbott Kinney is like you know nothing like it used to be when it first started it's mm-hmm. 
it's a real fixture in the neighborhood now. But um, it was fun working at a How video store. How long ago did you work <laughs> at that video store? How long? I tell you, you what, Jeff. The cool thing about it was that, like, I mean, I, you've seen it in so many movies that they do. But the great thing about working there was that it did matter if you knew about movies because people would come in and they'd ask you what to watch, you know, and you could have this great conversation about. And then they bring the video back and you'd say, "Oh, so how did you like it?" And they'd talk about it, you know. Um, and we had, you know, you, you put them in, you just watch movies all day long and people come in. I mean, it really did celebrate film, not in the same way you do now where you just go on Netflix and you read user reviews and stuff, but, you know, actually having a conversation with someone about it is right. just irreplaceable. Mm. How long did I work there? Yeah. Oh gosh. Like maybe almost like a year or something like that. But, um, okay. but it was great. I'm still friends with a guy who was the manager. Was this, what, in the mid-'80s or late-'80s, or when was this? Um, yeah, it was sometime in the-'80s. It was like, I don't even remember, but I just, you know, living in Venice, and you know, uh -huh. it was obviously before Blockbuster. Blockbuster came along, and that was it. You know, wiped uh -huh. every video store out, just like Starbucks came along and wiped out all the little coffee shops that were sprouting up all over L.A. Right. Do you remember the coffee shops where they had they had couches and lounging yeah, chairs and stuff? They were all like on Third Street Promenade, and those are all gone. It's all Starbucks now. We had I, I was the only time in my life when I've been a homeowner. I bought a home in Venice on Superba Avenue. Remember Superba? It's uh, uh, right angles to Lincoln. Mm hmm. Near the walking streets, did you? Where did you live in Venice? Where did you rent in Venice? Um, we, I was renting, I was living with my sister in a basement apartment down there by the beach. Clubhouse is where we lived. Oh, that's nice. Well, it hmm. wasn't nice. It was a total rat trap, and and we had um, it had a Murphy bed, and it was totally seventies uh -huh. architecture. It had a Murphy bed that folded out, and it, right. the living room faced the alley, and like the burnouts, they put they they would hang out there, smoke pot, and talk and everything. Even though like our window was right next to them, and they, one time they just like put up a couch and just sat there, and that was their party zone. <laughs> it was right outside our living room window. Oh, wonderful! <laughs> like we were the show, you know. But yeah, it was fun. Those days were were wonderful in their own crazy way. I mean, at the time you think, oh my God, you know, I'm never going to pull my life together. But looking back on it, you just are so grateful that you had those adventures. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Mm -hmm. Well, oh. all right. We'll let it go at that point. I, um, um, I'm, I'm glad we did this. I'm, I know that. Uh, Wait, we haven't talked about Carmageddon. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, uh, the Carmageddon experience that I had today, which is, um, we got a very um, much Svetlana, my uh, DP friend. Uh, she needs to do some uh, photography of certain eternal or uh, no, or you know uh, classic uh, landmarks. Uh, for this documentary about Nicholas Ray. They asked her to just go around with her Mark V uh, digital camera, which is a very high-end thing. So we went up to the Hollywood sign, and we went to uh, uh, Chinese, uh, to the uh, uh, Egyptian on Hollywood Boulevard and got some nice shots of this, that, and the other thing. Then we went west, and I was thinking, well, we're on the early side, but I was you know, naturally afraid or concerned there might be a little bit of a tie-up here and there. And it's been, it was the best driving day mm. in the city that I have, one of them best I've ever seen. <clears throat> As I wrote in the column, it's like it's like I was driving around in 1937 before right. the freeways, and uh, it was wonderful. There was no cars out because everybody heard the news, everybody listened, it got around totally, and nobody was driving. And now, if you've been on Sunset ever during uh, what you would call brunch hour on Sunday, say from 10, 11 to 12, 1, around there, you're talking about a lot of traffic. A lot of people like to go out and go to little nice places and have brunch with their friends. It's always busy, particularly when you get over to the Brentwood area. There's a lot of traffic and a lot of stores and everything. And I'll tell you, it was, it was just like nothing's happening. I know. Very yes. few uh, cars. And I said, this is delightful. Uh, and so there's zero Carmageddon. In fact, it was the total opposite. It was the opposite. It was so weird, wasn't it? Because people kept saying... A friend of mine is a photographer, he's a street photographer, and he said, you know, grab your camera, go outside, take a walk, you know, go places where people aren't driving where they're going to be walking instead. You know, like he said, if it was me, I'd just walk from the valley to Santa Monica. And I was like, well, I've got a kid, I can't really just do that. But so he said, go on out. So I did. I went out to, I drove up to Lake Hollywood and I looked around up there. And I went to the freeway and I thought, okay, I'm going to look at the 101. Everybody said, I mean, they were like, 
you know, the radio was clogged with these panicky shows with people calling in saying, where do I go when I come into the airport? You know, stay off the 101 because it's going to be totally jammed, you know. Right. Everybody was so scared that it was going to be horrible. And so I looked at the 101 and there were no cars. I was like, I've never seen this, you know, not even during the Super Bowl, not during yeah. um, even after 9-11 when it, everything was really vacated. There mm-hmm. was nothing like this. I mean, it was just craziest thing and it was just dead quiet. Why do you imagine, incidentally, that the city was quiet, this city was quiet in the immediate wake of 9-11? What do you think that was about? Why would anybody care what's going on in the streets? I think that they were watching TV and they were, the, the planes, The mainly it was the planes that, that were grounded, that there were no planes flying in the sky. That made it eerily quiet. Mm-hmm. I think we're just not aware of the white noise that were, is always around us mm-hmm. all the time. I mean, especially if you're in the Valley, because it's like you got the Burbank Airport, and if you're on the west side, you have LAX, but there were no planes flying in the sky anywhere. Mm-hmm. And then everybody else was just glued to their television set. So if you did go out, it was there was nobody around. Mm-hmm. But yesterday and today was just like heaven in Los Angeles. <laughs> it was heaven. I mean, if they could just like designate a weekend every once in a while where nobody should go on the roads, if they could just enforce that. I mean, imagine what it would do for our city. It's a, it was a lovely experience, and it really does remind you that Without the horror, and uh, that word is really appropriate, the horror of, of traffic, uh, it, it's a really pleasant city, particularly with a day like this with the beautiful, radiant uh, blue sky. And, and uh, it's, you know, it's lovely. It really yeah. is. I know. It was a beautiful day. And, you know, the, I went to the farmer's market. There were all these people walking around there. Um, <laughs> and I do think people were like, let's do something today where we're going to be out walking you know, and not driving. So sure. let's make the choice sure. not... I mean, at first people were saying, oh, this is a big ploy by the transit to, to get people to take transit. But I think what people discovered is they didn't really have anywhere they had to go. Right. They didn't have to get on the 405. And, you know, it's such a tiny little part of the freeway, an important part of the freeway that's always jammed with traffic. But, you know, you don't have to get on the 405. Mm-hmm. So... Want to quickly get into the uh, highest paid actresses thing, which is out in Forbes magazine, which... Uh, Ann Thompson initially linked to. That's when I first saw it. Uh, it just talks about the average salary that uh, the, the top actresses are making. Yeah. Um, and whether you believe it's uh, apropos. Naturally, the number one is Angelina Jolie. She is averaging or has been getting $30 million per film. Uh, I presume wow. that doesn't include her latest thing, which is a... Uh, film that she has directed about the Serbian-Bosnian war called um, um, I've forgotten what the name is. It's called something in the land of honey. Blood mm. in the milk of... Uh, bland, uh, I can't remember land the name. Of, no, I don't know. Never mind. Don't ask us. <laughs> <laughs> Love and death in the land of honey. Something yeah. like that. <laughs> Are we blanking on something as uh, as, as, as precise? I, I've heard this a few times. It's like... Uh, well, I mean, we'd have to get Phil on here to ask him, but I wonder, like with Julia Roberts, I wonder what's going on with her. You know, they've still got her on the top thing. She's still, she's down as a, uh, she's not a 33 or a $30 million woman, but she's like still in the 20 range, yeah. like 18 or something. And I said, based on what? Because I'll tell you what it's based on, because <clears throat> Eat, Pray, Love made a pretty good amount of change worldwide, but it didn't, you know, Topple the, the the record books. I mean, it, 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 it you know did pretty well, but I'm just yeah. amazed that they see her as a <clears throat> you know really formidable. I guess they just think of her. She's an opener. You know, she can she could just they could put her name on there and people will go see it just because she's in it. Jennifer it, Aniston was she, Jennifer Aniston on that on that list too. Yes, she is. She's at 28 million. So, so that means she got 28 for her dumb movies. She gets $28 million. How much money does a person need? I swear to God. <laughs> like, yeah, I, mean, I mean, what do they, they do with all they, that money? <laughs> Excuse me. The four, five hundred, six hundred million dollars uh, personal wealth. Uh, how much do you need? Um, you know, um, I don't know what you need. Seems to me like $100 million would be an awful nice piece of change for me. In the Land of Blood and Honey, it's called. I land. just looked it up. You were close. Yeah, you were close. And that's what she's directing, right? That movie she's directing. That's right. So she's the top earner. It's Angelina yeah. Jolie's number one, and, and who's number two? Well, I don't have the... For oh, whatever oh. reason, Forbes magazine's online thing has this 
makes you click through the whole thing. So I'm now on Reese Witherspoon, who's at um, 28, uh, and they have two pages for each actress, so it's kind of tedious. I wish they would just have a straight... Uh, Are there any there. black actresses on there? Not so far. It's all white women, yeah. Linda Roberts is at 20. She's the number five. Um, then we go to... Oh, no, no, it's her again. Okay, I'm still working on it. She had a grand total of 13 tweets about this whole thing. Four- <laughs> Kristen Stewart is a $20 million lady. That's Yikes. based on Twilight. It's not based upon... You know, uh, <clears throat> the smaller uh, films like uh, even um, The Runaways, that didn't make any money, $4.6 million. So they're, they're basically, these are women who are, got the big uh, dollars. Mm. Come, uh, when you link them to their, uh, to their big franchise movies, like Sarah Jessica Parker is listed as a very high earner, but obviously only because of the Sex and the City movies. I don't think right. she makes that much to you. I think she, if you're talking about women audiences, yeah, I think she's a high, she's somebody that people will go mm-hmm. see if she's, you know, just because she's in it, for oh. sure. Okay. They like her, you know. Now, I keep hearing about how the online community uh, has been down and disliking, actively disliking Katherine Heigl. She's regarded as a $19 million payday actress. Mm-hmm. I, I always, uh, I had heard that, you know, people think that she's uh, kind of, um, uh, she's acquired a, a, a reputation as someone who's uh, who's um, not terribly pleasurable to to know or to yeah. act with. Or, you, know. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I guess so. It's always hard to know for sure where where all that stuff comes from. But yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, Cameron Diaz is an 18 million dollar person. They God, say. That that blows my mind. I can't believe she makes money. I mean, that her movies make money. I don't not like her. I'm just surprised that she was on the list, you know. Any any old-timers on there? Well, is Sandra Bullock an old-timer? She's no, no. Old-timer like Meryl Streep, Glenn yes, Close. Yes, Meryl Streep is at the bottom of the list. She's a $10 million person. Hmm. See, so. I think that's crazy. I think anybody, any adult person would want to go see a movie just because she's in it, you know. But then she choo- doesn't really choose movies that make a lot of money, so she'd never be on that list. She's only made one... Uh, paycheck movie in her life, and that's Mamma Mia. To, to my understanding is that and she's, that did a hundred million. Yeah, that did a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why Felita Lloyd managed to get the okay to be directing the current film. Right. So by the way, did we talk about the, our reactions to how that film seems? It seems to me that that film is a is is going to be played as a very light. I mean, I, I really an emphasis on the word light. Comedy. I, I don't feel that they're going to be playing uh, realism here. It's not. It's not going to be network. It looks like it's going to be uh, have a certain tone to it. It's going to be a little bit on the slightly comedic side, but not really comedic. That's what I got from that. Yeah, I think yeah. so too. I think it's all going to be about her performance, and that's it. You know, I don't think they're going to get into the politics of it too much. They'll have a couple of nudge, nudge, wink, wink kind of jokes. You know, like they did right. with Tony Blair and the Queen. You know, she got in a couple of really great digs. Um, yeah. Who wrote it? Who wrote that Margaret Thatcher movie? The Iron Lady was written by a, a young woman who um, uh, described herself. Uh, she grew up in the 80s. She's in her 30s now. And she described herself as Thatcher youth. Um, she's not a um, so <clears throat> died-in-the-wool liberal. She's a, uh, you know, she's a survivor. She probably sees herself mm-hmm. as something of a mild conservative. That's how she got the enthusiasm for writing about, about. Um, but I, I believe that uh, there's another guy who who had written several drafts of it, and this woman came in because Felita Lloyd and I presume Meryl Streep felt that that film should have uh, uh, the voice of a woman who understood um, Margaret Thatcher's. Uh, inner person and who she really was and that sort of thing. So right, right. Sense. It that seems to me like it's you know it sounds like it's not going to be too hard hitting on her for sure. I mean if it was if it was um, mm-hmm. what's his name writing it you know what's his name who wrote the Stanley Queen. Stanley Weiser who wrote W. The... No, who wrote the Queen? What's his name? <laughs> oh, God. oh yeah. You um, know, famous screenwriter, Oscar winner, Peter, Oscar nominee. Uh, what's his name? Wrote Hereafter. Wrote the Queen. Peter Morgan. Peter Morgan. Peter Morgan, thank you. If it was Peter Morgan writing about Margaret Thatcher, then it would be a little bit more 
I think, a little bit um, of a tougher look at her. But I bet you it's not going to be tough at all, which is going to enrage a lot of uh, British people, Mm. that it's not a hard-hitting kind of thing. You listen to the British press or read the British press, whenever there's the mention of uh, the Iron Lady or Meryl Streep or anything, they all bitterly complain. They said, if this thing in even a little bit whitewashes Margaret Thatcher's reputation, who is a horribly, uh, mm. you know, uh, much, uh, harsh and cruel woman who is brutal on the working class and all that, oh, yeah. uh, you know, we're going to have our words heard in a very uh, um, ardent and, uh, and very loud fashion. You're not going to, we're not going to take that lying down. So there's a lot of... Yeah, I know. You know. There are. There are a lot of people who are going to be really pissed off. Um, but what I think there seems to me like it's going to be sort of an image makeover deal, like it was with the Queen, you know, when Helen Mirren took that on, and you know, suddenly with one movie, everybody kind of looked at her differently, uh-huh. had sympathy for her, understood her point of view. I mean, he did all that just with one movie. It was pretty amazing. So I think if they can do that, that's maybe what they're going for. I could be totally wrong, but that's my guess. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you don't happen to recall having gotten an invitation by any chance? Because uh, Pete Hammond saw this—the uh, thing that's with Tom Hanks's son called uh, Colin Hanks called Lucky. Does that ring a bell? Uh, no. Of any kind? That's not the movie he's trying to make, is it? The one he's trying to raise money for? It's been made, and they had a screening of it uh, uh, last night. And I think it's—I oh. I haven't even checked, but I believe it's coming out sometime soon. So. Yeah, I don't know. I have to look through my inbox, but I doubt it. I think I would remember, although not, nothing about it particularly jumps out at me. Yeah. You know? So I think that the uh, only that the movie that is screening uh, this coming week here is, uh, is the, um, you know, the, the um, um, uh, Captain America. I think that's screening right. this week, right? Jesus Christ, yeah. I mean, it's just like, God, the movies lately. You know, it's just so awful. They're all aimed at young boys. <laughs> it's really hard to deal with sometimes. I guess that's what the summer is, you know. That's what the summer's all about, so I need to just get with it. But You, know. you were all intrigued by what I thought was kind of interesting uh, um, uh, CG. They put um, uh, Chris... Um, What's God. his name? Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Uh, they put his head on a smaller kid, and yeah. they made him look like uh, it was Evans. his face. Mm. And doing the acting, but he was just smaller. I thought that was kind of interesting. I, I, I rather liked the because um, I hadn't really seen that in a way that made me. Now it looked like it was digital. You could tell. Obviously, there's something funny about this, but I, I, I kind of liked that they tried to do that. Well, I, I don't know who I was with, but somebody I was driving with was just like they saw the poster for. This is horrible to say, but you know what? Men sort of have it coming after all the shit women have to go through, but. They looked at the poster and they were like, that's Captain America? He looks so old. <laughs> he's like, you know, he looks like, and he's not old. Chris Evans isn't old, right? He's young, but that poster, he looks old on it, you know. Well, he looks to me like he's about 33. Uh, right, but I guess. Is that what you mean by old? It doesn't look like he's in his 20s, you mean. Here's a mind blow. He was born in 1981. <laughs> <laughs> so no crazy, kidding. man. I was like in high school. I was like a sophomore in high school when he was born. He could be my no, son. That's not, 30. I, okay, then I was about right. Okay. Fine. Yeah. I know, yeah. but maybe they should have tried to make him look a little younger if they wanted to, right. uh, you know, if they wanted his hotness to draw girls in, you know, yeah. which they yeah. could have done. They could have gotten the girl. You know, I think they're too they're too easy on, on girls. Like my daughter, she'd totally be into this if he was a cute guy, you know. Uh-huh. Right. That's a dumb uh, thing to say. I'm sorry. Okay. We've gotten to the point in the podcast where we have nothing more interesting to say. Yeah. Jeff. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> but we we had enough to talk about, and that was it was a good good chat. And uh, okay. and uh, next weekend, of Comic-Con. course, will be will be Comic Con. So if we do happen to go down, you and I not together, but at the same time, maybe we could, um, you know, meet up and. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll stay in touch with you. It'd be fun to do like a podcast from Comic Con. Sure, why not? That'd be fun. I'll bring my to-go stuff just in case. But um, yeah, we could talk about the reaction to Cowboys and Aliens, and um, and just uh, and talk about the Spielberg thing, which I suppose I'll I'll try and attend if I can. Um, yeah. Okay. 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 Um, all right. So let's hang up, and then you can ask me whatever it was you were going to ask me. Yes. Well. Sure. So, okay. So it was nice talking with you. Be well and hey, and we'll talk again next uh, weekend. Okay, sounds good. Bye-bye. Bye.
You've been listening to Oscar Poker with Jeffrey Wells from HollywoodElsewhere.com and Sasha Stone from AwardsDaily.com. We'll be back next week with another episode. And you can follow us on Twitter at Oscar Podcast. And today's music was Finally Gotten Over You, The Free Radicals and Walter Trout Live, and Cruisin' Smokey Robinson. Thanks for listening. 